Welcome everyone to another episode of the Rodcast. Uh, today we're talking about the question, what is a grace church? I had someone actually ask me this question after a church service uh, a few years ago and I thought that the answer might be obvious, but maybe it wasn't obvious to them. And so, Pastor Rod, I want to hear your thoughts on what is a grace church and let's get into that and break it down. <laughs> well, let's get straight into it, Rigid, like you said. Uh, a grace church is a Jesus church. I know that's real, um, just a, a simple thing to say, but I have a scripture. I, I was talking to yeah. a um, one of our Bible translators from Dallas, one of our friends who's a New Testament um, scholar, and we asked him that question of what is a grace church? And his answer was simply, well, let's read a scripture from Titus 2.11. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So this grace is signified as a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So a grace church is a church that has Jesus in the center, Jesus as our mm. our, our key doctrine, our, our, our key person, our, our Lord, our Savior. A, a grace church is someone that has that those doctrines together, those beliefs together. It says the grace of God to bring salvation has appeared to all men. So I want to be a church. It's a grace church, which means is a Jesus church. And I'm sure every good church, every good pastor would say the same thing. But the reason why that's important is some people like to say a grace church is this or it's that um, and put it into some other category where I would just like to generalize it back to what the scripture says. Um, this this salvation, this grace is Jesus. So mm-hmm. if people are preaching Jesus. It's a grace church. It should be a, a grace church. So I don't know where we want to go from that. But when someone says, is mm. this a grace church? It's a very unusual question yeah especially after experiencing worship word fellowship probably communion to ask is this a grace church obviously there's something else in their mind what that means yeah well what do you think is making someone ask that because like like i said before i I felt like it was an obvious question like of course because we're about all about jesus so you know what is there outside of his grace um that's who he is but yeah there's obviously some kind of church where they're experiencing something else or I don't, I don't know, some kind it's, of baggage it's, there. It's, from Well, we're pastors and it is a bit confusing. Um, if I could bring in another little anecdote from, from my side is I remember one day we had a wonderful service here in Tokyo and God was moving and, 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 a, and a whole lot of um, young Japanese had just given their lives to Jesus in that service. Now, that that takes a few months here in Japan, but these people had obviously been in Connect Group reading the Bible. Um, and it was just the day they said, yeah, I, I want to receive Jesus. And, um, and the person from another country other than Japan came to me and said, um, great church, it's wonderful to see the, the worship, the word and, and Japanese, but do you believe in the Holy Spirit here? It's a sort of a, a similar mm. question that, Excuse me, what yeah. <laughs> what what just happened here? You you can't get people saved without the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, without God touching people through the Holy Spirit. And again, the question is, what did they expect? What did they think was a the Holy Spirit in a church? Um, and so I was quite surprised. And my answer was, well, I, I think that you know um, God was here in the Holy power of the Holy Spirit. He, the Bible says where two or three come together, there I am in the midst, says Jesus. And 
Um, it says in, in, in John 6, 64, I think it is, that, that no one can come unless the Father draws them, and that drawing is through the Holy Spirit. So I didn't really understand, except that they'd been in some church where the Holy Spirit moving was this or, or was that. And I don't mm. want to go into that because we don't want to make this controversial in any way. But just generally, um, it's a strange question. And someone, after seeing such incredible love and joy and peace and blessing uh, in Hong Kong, there with you, and, and to see people saved and out of the community and, and to say, is this a grace church? It's sort of like, well, you, you, you can't get saved without the, the grace, this, this Jesus factor in our lives, as it says there in, in Titus, Titus 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So I, 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 could, I don't know if I can answer the question. It's just that we can't, um, I guess, go into a deep discussion with, unless we understand what they mean. So we'd mm. almost have to say, well, what do you mean? What, yeah. what is your understanding of, of Grace Church or what is your understanding of the Holy Spirit moving because to me, it's it's all of those wonderful things moving in 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 people's lives, and um, so yeah, that that's my example. Back to your yeah. example, saying, I don't know. I do think that we need to um, clarify that every great church that has Jesus preaches Jesus is a grace church and has the Holy Spirit, right? I think I think we need to um, clarify. In no way are we saying that we're special or or um, unusual. I just think um, we need to say to all people, you have you 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 have the Holy Spirit if you love Jesus, and 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 you 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 are partake, partakers of grace <laughs> if you if you have salvation if you have Jesus, you you have. I think we need to clarify to anyone listening, you have the Holy Spirit if you love Jesus, and you have grace in your life. Um, so we're not preaching anything unusual. Um, that's strange or in any way arrogant or think we're better, none of that stuff. It's just like, hey, hey, the Holy Spirit does move in, in a beautiful way in all believers. And the Holy Spirit moves in grace in a beautiful way in all believers. Let's preach that, that, that grace is not um, a, a minority thing. It, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's, a, it's a a general, wonderful flow of God in the world in all great churches. Hmm. And so what, what were the outworkings of, of this grace teaching, this uh, yeah. preaching Jesus? What would the outworkings of that look like uh, in leadership and serving and, you know, all, all aspects of church life? Are there any things that you feel like it, it really impacts or I, I think we do need uh, to have an understanding of this word grace. Um, it's a beautiful okay. word, karis. And um, in the ancient world, they, uh, early writers, some of the early church fathers said it's the most beautiful Greek word, uh, it, it, you know, karis, the, the Greek version, um, which is through the Bible many, many, I guess, hundreds of times. This beautiful word, karis, means um, this, this, this beauty of God, this favor of God, this unbelievable um, um, supply of God is that we can never repay is is a beautiful thing. So I think there's and, and again in talking to my 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 Greek friend, uh, Greek scholar friend Yancey Smith from um the Bible League in, in Dallas. So like a, a a big mind, a big a big mind, a big hearted guy said we said what what is what is grace? And he said it's very hard to explain 
except that you've got to understand that there's grace into us and we must have that for salvation. There's grace within us, which is the supernatural changes of God in our lives, in our heart, and there's the grace out of us, which is the works, which is the good works and the the good thing to do, that grace has a multi-level impact in the New Testament, but it's totally a God word. It's totally a supernatural word. So it's not an effort or works word. So grace is this incredible action of God into us, in us, and out of us that that changes our lives and makes a difference in this world. I think one of the key impacts of grace, though, is the revelation that we can't repay this. Mm. Um, I, I think it's one of the key things we do talk about a lot within our Lifehouse churches is you can't repay grace. So there must be a response to grace other than repayment. That response to me is thankfulness. I just become thankful. Thank you, God, for the grace into me, the grace in me, and the grace out of me, and and Richard and all the other people in our world. Thank you, Lord, and great churches. So grace is such a huge, huge concept um, that it, it, it it's not just a single singular blessing. There's this into in and out is a lifestyle, isn't it? It's and it's it's more than a habit. It, it's an indwelling. It's an indwelling of God's absolute presence on the earth in our lives. So when you think about grace as this big, every church should be a grace church, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because because that's Jesus, it's the impact of Jesus on our lives. And here in Japan, we've had trouble um, describing grace to this beautiful culture in Japan because Japan has a servant culture, which is beautiful. So the concept of I do something good for you, you do something good for me is inherent in the culture. So if I bring you a little gift, you've got to bring me a, a bigger gift out of a good heart, you know, just trying to repay and repay and repay. Um, but grace is the point where we realize this action of God is so large through Christ, I can't repay. I just come to a place of giving up trying to repay and I come to a place of peace and saying thank you, like settling grace into our hearts and that's what I would like to see in our preaching and teaching and in people's lives is this settling in into the the, 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 the beauty of grace and just becoming thankful that a, a thankful life lives a certain way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, would, would a summary of it be, uh, would you agree with this statement that maybe that the default kind of heart position of of people is to is to come in and and maybe not think grace or want to repay like that would be the default in the culture is to uh, or yeah. sorry to to try to repay yeah is, is that where the people are coming from because i feel like I, you know in a chinese culture mm. context here mm. uh it's similar but maybe it's a bit more people are a bit more transactional yeah. because of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do something for me, I do something for you. So that can kind of come into it as well, which probably looks similar, but maybe there's a little bit of a different place it's coming from, but the outworkings are quite similar. Yeah, I think in our culture, anyone listening, we live. I'm, I'm in Japan, Richard's in Hong Kong. Um, we have churches in Korea and other uh, East Asian countries where there's a very strong culture of repayment. Uh, 
negotiation. Mm. Um, nothing that's bad in all that. It's, it's actually really good. It's, as I said, it's a beautiful culture. But when it comes to God, if we try to repay such an amazing gift, uh, we will get tired, extremely fatigued, um, because it moves towards law. I, I often say to um, Japanese people or East Asian people, within you is, is, a, is a thinking and a, and a feeling that um, we, we have to repay, we have to negotiate with God. We have, I, I call it a, a spring, a, a metal spring in our life that moves to law, which is not a bad thing. We live in good cultures. But when it comes to God and grace, um, that spring actually works. And I say to the Japanese, you have to remove that spring that'll move you to middle ground. <laughs> I, mm. I don't think here in Asia, I don't think that um, when we, we teach heavily on grace, I don't think there's a response to be um, lawless. Right. I know in some cultures I've had this discussion with pastors and, and I've got to understand their context. But in our context in, in Asia, East Asia, Southeast Asia, um, when people move away from law, they don't become lawless. They become in the middle, balanced. And I think that's a great understanding of grace to, to, to not be driven to repay, but also not become lawless. We just become thankful and obedient. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So the, the response of a grace-filled heart is not negotiation. It's, it's relaxing into a life of obedience to God. Um, as I said, some cultures will look at that and say, well, if you remove the law spring, if, if I could use that, and I'm not talking about conscience, that's different. Conscience is the God-given ability to understand right and wrong. It's, it's innate within us. The, the concept of law, the spring of law, um, is to do with, I think, religious backgrounds, um, uh, philosophical mm -hmm. backgrounds. In some countries, to remove law, I guess people move towards lawlessness but I don't live in those cultures and neither do you. So we're not experiencing that. When people talk about, you know, ex extreme grace teaching, we, th we think here in Asia that, that that leads to balanced, pretty balanced Christian lives. But some cultures I know it does mean uh, people say, well, I can do anything now because I'm living in grace. That's not what we're saying. And, and so a, mm. a grace church to me doesn't mean legalistic or lawless. It's this beautiful balance of relaxing into God's truths, living in the Holy Spirit, um, living out fulfilling lives with God's help. And just as to that scripture, again, I'm, I'm going to keep referring to it, uh, Titus 2.11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, verse 12, it, this grace, this Jesus, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age while we wait for Jesus to come back. So this this grace, this this Titus scripture says this grace does not lead to lawlessness. It leads mm. to self-control. It leads upright to lives. upright living. Yeah. Good lives. And good. so so if people move to lawlessness, they also don't understand grace. Because grace doesn't mean I'm free to be free. Grace means I'm free to serve the Lord. I'm free to be thankful. I'm free to live this life that is uh, self-controlled, upright, and godly in the present age. I love that. Mm. It means this Holy Spirit power, this grace within me, doesn't move me to be lawless. It moves me to be thankful and obedient with joy, with a real joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The, 
in, in your presence is fullness of joy. These scriptures talking about this this godly, godly life. So um, I think there is a context. I actually I, I actually asked a pastor from another country. I said, so may, maybe this 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 teaching on grace um, needs to have certain um, teaching around it, depending on the context, right. the context of the culture. And he said, yes, that's probably true. It doesn't mean we compromise or we change scripture. It just means we we press on certain parts hmm. of this. And so if people are moving to lawlessness, I would say, well, hang on, read read the second part of the verse. This grace teaches hmm. us to say no to ungodliness and, and passions. It teaches us to say yes to upright good lives. This grace has a working into us, in us, and out of us that shows that Christ is really the Lord of our life. And so to anyone listening, it, it, it would mean that possibly in their context, it could be received a little bit differently. And so we present it a bit differently. Is that is that what you'd say? Or Yeah, I, I, again, context. Um, right. If you're living with a culture where everyone's living pretty amazing lives anyway. Now, Japan, they are living great lives. It's just that I, mm. I know the internal pain of people who are, perfectionists and and really yeah. want to obey every single thing the result is a great community a great culture but lots of stress inside the hearts and that's why we also have a lot of you know um uh internal problems and even suicide in our cultures in japan mm. and korea the highest in the world i don't mean in the church necessarily in fact i don't mean that at all i, I mean in the culture there is a yeah. drive to be perfect to be excellent to be great community members leads to a great culture but internally it's stress so in the church we do we do stress not different stress we do um promote the concept of relaxing in god you're in god you're you're in his love so live out of that live out of that relaxed state and pressing on that side of of grace the grace is into you in you and let it come out naturally supernaturally but there might be other cultures where where there is more of a stress on um this grace is real and true and yes we need to relax into it but the second part of the scripture it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion so so stressing on that side um same truth just different different part sides of the coin isn't it it's the same coin it's the same truth it's just pressing on different sides we I remember as a young person, young Christian, being taught this is called truth in tension. Everyone knows what tension is, like a, a wire or a, a piece of rope connected very tightly on both ends. And, and it's, it's truth in tension. And one side is, is, is grace and on the other side is truth. And so this, this truth in tension, it, it, context helps us to, where, where do I live on this? Um, how do I teach this? How do we promote this and so it, it doesn't change the truth it's just understanding context does that make sense yeah like if a culture is naturally generous you might not have to talk about generosity as much yeah versus a culture that's naturally maybe more stingy or something you might need to teach generosity more you talk about it more so yeah. it's not yeah. changing truth it's just this needs a stronger emphasis is that fair mm-hmm. truth intention Absolutely, and I've lived in different countries in my life uh, for years in different countries, and and there has to be a 
Same truth. There's no compromise, but the truth has mm. to be taught in a certain way with, and actually with certain pictures or, um, you know, anecdotes or stories to e- exemplify that truth. Um, for example, here in Japan, that, that concept of grace is a difficult concept. It actually is because the, the culture is so highly, highly uh, worked towards repayment. And I, I saw an incredible uh, physical picture of grace um, 10 years ago when we had this, the, the tsunami here in Japan, a terrible tsunami followed by, it was an earthquake, tsunami, and then a nuclear explosion in Fukushima. And, and our church was, was um, forced quickly to move into um, recovery, um, bringing in teams, um, trying to rebuild people's homes, all that situation for at least a year. And I remember um, I wasn't there, but I heard a story of going to an old lady's house that we had helped her dig out the, the salty bad water and dirt out of a house and, and rebuild her floorboards and, and, and rebuild her home, help rebuild her home. Uh, we actually helped rebuild 54 homes, which I think is pretty amazing just with, with the help of our friends around the world. But I heard the story that when we went to see that lady, she, she fell on her knees with tears streaming off her face saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. I cannot repay you. I cannot repay you. And I thought to myself, that's a picture of a response to grace. Because mm. she's not saying, thank you, I'll repay thank you, I'll get together a, work, a plan. No, no, she was saying, thank you, I have no chance of repaying you. Now, it wasn't me. I wasn't there. So I'm not saying this to say I, I did anything. I didn't. My team did that. But the response was so beautiful. I've used that in illustrations, in messages, that here is a, a beautiful, lovely Japanese lady, a really nice person, a, a, but but getting to the end of her rope. And some people helped. And the only thing she could do was fall to her knees and cry and say, thank you. And I say that in Japan to people, that's what we do to Jesus. We, 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 we cry, but not crying because we're in pain. We cry out of joy and, and thankfulness. And we say, I can't repay. And Jesus says, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it, was always, it was always that way. It was always that way. And so that's an analogy. That's a picture in our culture trying to explain to people, you can't repay. You just have to get to a place of saying, Thank you. Um, I also heard a story. Um, it's it's probably from the New Testament. This this concept that in 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 the book of Romans it talks about there's there's no way we can get to heaven through obeying the law. We just the, the judge of the universe has said guilty. There's just no way we can't say I'm good. I'll do better. The judge of the universe is in Romans three verse twenty. It says that that we we've, we've been judged. We 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 can't get out. And then the next verse says, but now through Christ, apart from law, Christ has given us righteousness. And the picture is in, in the Roman courts, you, we're guilty. There's, there's no way out. But all of a sudden, the judge says, actually, there is another way. My son can come and die for you in your place. Now, that's ridiculous. In our like, What judge of the world would do that? That's just never going to happen but it did happen with God. God, the judge, has the next verse says, but now apart from the, the guilty verdict, I'm going to send my, my son to take the punishment for you. So that's an analogy from the New Testament, which is probably from Greek law or Roman law. So these analogies, only these analogies can help us understand the absolute 
incredible nature of God's grace that we're, we're guilty, hands up, I surrender, nothing I can do, and then Jesus comes and takes our sin and pain. When we understand that, how can we go and be lawless? How can we go and say, right, thank you, God, for taking all my pain. I think I'll go and live my own way. Mm. So the New Testament reflection of grace is not repayment. It's gratefulness, thankfulness to the judge for giving me another way, which is Jesus. And I'm sure that in Hong Kong and in Thailand and every country, there'd be an analogy. There'd be something we need to grab because the concept of grace is so difficult for human beings to understand. In fact, in some cultures, um, there is no word for grace. There actually is not mm. an adequate word for grace. Even in Japanese, the, there is a beautiful word, megumi, which is a beautiful word. They, that's in the Bible, megumi, the, the, the megumi of God. But the word megumi can mean repayment or giving something back. So we have to use that word but then explain it because it's so difficult. I know we're getting off the track here into language mm-hmm. and that, but we probably need to to explain mm-hmm. to people when they say, is it a grace church? I said, I hope so because I just want to be full of thankfulness to Jesus. Well, I'm just thinking of my context here in Hong Kong and um, once again, an amazing culture, hardworking and, and just an amazing culture. But I'm trying to think of any any part of the culture where I see grace operating outside of the Jesus grace. And I could understand why maybe some cultures don't even have a yeah. word for it. Yep. Because, yeah, I mean, a, a, even gift giving and all of that, it's like, okay, well, what did you give me last time? You know, I need to give something <laughs> of equal value. And like, that's just normal. Yeah. That's how people think. And it's good. You said it. You said it. Your culture is beautiful. And it's great in business. Yeah. It's, yep. it's it's awesome in business, mm. um, but yeah, you can't apply that to your relationship with, with God. No, and that's where you need these analogies. Uh, obviously, Jesus is the analogy <laughs> uh, on the cross saying to the thief on his right side um, who says, remember me, and he says, I remember you today in paradise. I mean, that, that thief has no chance of proving, changing, repaying, negotiating. It's... It's absolute grace. So there is the biblical pictures that we preach and then we try to reach for something in our life, don't we? So some outrageous operation of generosity that we look at and we say, I can't repay. It's not equal to what Jesus did. It's just trying to get a picture. Mm. It's trying to get a, a story that people sit back and go, wow, like I said, the, 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 the judge that says we're guilty and then says there is another way, my son will take your place. It's a shock. It's, that story is almost just too shocking for words. It, mm, it's, too, I'm just, it's, too, it's almost horrible and it is horrible in that it meant mm. the death of Jesus Christ, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful because God did it for us. You know, what I've seen recently uh, over the last few years in YouTube is there's a lot of these videos about people going and like really blessing homeless people and, you know, like literally buying them a house, uh, you know, doing all this stuff mm. that, you know, finding someone on the street and then let me go and show you your new home. And these videos of like overwhelmed uh, people, f- like n- they can't express how they feel towards this gift because they can never pay it back. But those those videos are actually very popular and there's a lot of them. Mm. Uh, 
and I, I guess to some extent there, there, there is a grace yeah. in that. They can never yeah. repay. They didn't deserve it. They didn't even know this person and they just got this incredible blessing. Isn't that great? It's attractive. And, and how do you feel when you see the video? Oh, you, yeah, it's, it'll, you get teary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's powerful watching someone yeah. be blessed like that. Yeah. And questioning like why? That's just why. Yeah. And struggling to receive it at first and is this a you know is this a joke or mm. Yeah. Oh well, yeah, so what's what, the catch? What, yeah. yeah there's no there's, there's yeah. no catch. Yeah. So mm. what would be maybe we finish up with what would be the outworking in in a person's life as they come into a a church with and we're teaching Jesus with and they, they, they receive grace. They go from whatever they had before to being in a place of a revelation of grace. How does that look in the individual? Well, Jesus said, if you, if you love me, you will obey me. He said it three times. Um, and I just think there's a natural flow of love for Jesus and his words. So for me, when I got saved, I knew I had to forgive others. You know, I, I, I was 19, I was a fireman, and I, I was living a bad life, and I came to Christ. And I knew I had to forgive my father. And I knew that because I was so forgiven. I had a revelation. I was so forgiven. There was nothing I could do, but God gave me a new life. And so thankful that I read in the Bible, Jesus is saying, if you don't forgive, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. And I went, oh, you know, gulp. Um, help me, Lord, to forgive my father. So my response to, to being forgiven and then reading Jesus' words obeying Jesus. Jesus, I want to obey you. It's hard. Help me. And then I was able to forgive my father over some time, a bit of a process, but I decided I wanted to. And I think, again, this with scriptures, it, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. There's something in us now uh, that wants to, to follow God. There's something a, a true believer will want to, the new nature, the new birth, the new creation, all these New Testament concepts, the new family, will make me want to obey Jesus Christ. I really believe that. I, I believe that true grace within will make me want to change and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives. And I've, I've seen this in every country I've been to. I've, no matter what the country, I've seen this response to grace. And I know it's real. When people just get thankful, understand what Jesus has done, there, there is a thing of how can I change? What can I do? God help me. God changed me. And then out, what can I do in my family and community? So the first thing is I change towards my husband, wife, kids. There's a change in my family attitudes and then a change in, in other areas, workplace, friends, sports club, the world, the giving, generosity. I, I'm not saying we work. This has nothing to do with work for salvation. This is working from salvation. It's a very different concept, isn't it? We're not working to God, to salvation. We are secure in our salvation, thankful we say, what what can we do? And this is called purpose. Mm-hmm. And I really wish we could now have another half an hour. We're not going to finish, yeah. but I wish we could have another half an hour about now living for purpose, living for eternity. We're changed. We are now living for our true home in heaven. We want to go and be with Jesus, and on the earth here we want to make a difference. What C.T. Studd, a great cricketer from England 150 years ago, said these words. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I learned that as a young Christian. I want my life now, now that I've received grace and thankful, I want my life to count. And it changes perspective, decisions, a lot of things. 
So I think the outworking of is people then discovering purpose, discovering who What's they are and what God wants them to do and satisfaction comes and joy and that's a whole other subject, isn't it? But grace out is a good thing. It's not, oh, I have to obey Jesus now. It's a, I really love this new life and I want to live for God. With your story, did anyone like tell you you need to forgive your dad or was that something you'd come to yourself? Yeah, as a seeker. So before before I gave my life to Jesus, I read the whole New Testament because I was testing God. I'd come from a very non-Christian background. I'd read a lot of other books, ungodly books, religious books. And and now I'm reading this God, Jesus book. And the more I read it, the more I loved it. But I knew, I knew Part of the reason when I came to Christ, I had to forgive my father already. I knew it because I read it. It was actually one of the reasons maybe I didn't come to Christ earlier because mm. I resisted, because I knew there was a cost. But when I said now to Jesus and he, he, he delivered me and filled me with his love, I was committed to that course of action. I knew it was coming. So no one taught me. I knew it was coming. And I'm so glad I forgave my dad because... He became a believer later in his life and look forward to seeing him in heaven and uh, have those heavenly chats with dad. Hmm. Well, it's an amazing story of the, uh, the outworkings of grace in our lives and hey, let's keep building churches built on the grace of Jesus. Let's all be grace churches. <laughs> Sounds great Amen. to me. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode with Pastor Rod, why don't you subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this and we'll see you next time.